You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, um, Mondays always used to suck for me when I was living the cubicle life. Um, but now Mondays are just another day in the week, man. Uh, and I really enjoy that about, uh, about, I guess being self-employed. I really haven't found a new job yet and I don't know if I'm going to necessarily need to, uh, because, uh, the sportsman's nation, uh, the nine finger chronicles are kind of performing well enough to where I may not need to, but, uh, I, I tell you, um, it's, it's different. It's definitely different. There's different stresses. Um, you know, none of them are work related now. Most of them are family. And for me, it's getting over being around my kids all the time. That is a stressor right there. Um, I love them to death, but, uh, sometimes when they get into their little tiffs and arguments, it makes me want to put them in a dog cage. Now, would I ever put them in a dog cage? Maybe, <laughs> but, but uh, that's definitely a stressor being self-employed, working from home. Now, today, uh, we're talking on the podcast. It's a mini BS session. And why is it a mini BS session? Because I dropped the ball big time on updating some software. Uh, I had this little window pop up that said, there's a new version of the software. Do you want to, uh, do you want to uh, update it? And I kept hitting the uh, remind me later, remind me later, remind me later button. And all of a sudden, that uh, no longer works with other software that I have. So this podcast is really short because instead of doing a full podcast, I had to do some uh, software updates that took, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And uh, so we're calling this a mini BS session. We're going to be talking with Dominic Sheets out of Virginia. He hunts Northern Virginia. And he started hunting late in the game, I think in his early 20s. And that's what today's podcast is about, man. We just fly through a whole bunch of different things. Um, we fly through how he started hunting late. We, uh, we talk about his transition from rifle hunting to bow hunting and then from bow hunting to uh, being becoming a mobile bow hunter. Um, we talk about a lot of failures 
uh, and the learning curve uh, for hunting in general. We talk about uh, the deer population in the areas that he hunts. We talk about public land versus private land. And uh, we also talk, uh, he shares the story with us of uh, one of his first, I think, bow kills with a buck. Uh, and uh, for his first, God, I can't even talk today. I'm trying to fly through this as well. But uh, uh, it's a really good story about his first bow kill. And it's one of those days in the woods that I think we can all agree on that are, dude, the sun comes up. It's one of those high-pressure days, and the rut is on, and you, the deer are running all over the place. And uh, that's what this story to end the podcast is all about. So uh, make sure you listen all the way through for a, a really awesome story. Now, before we get into today's podcast, obviously we got to do a commercial here in uh, just a moment. But I am really excited because coming soon, and when I mean coming soon, I mean we are recording this weekend, this upcoming weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to be recording the first ever Sportsman's Nation short film, right? And it is going to be about the tradition that my family has kind of uh, uh, acquired uh, over the years during turkey season. And uh, it's going to be about how my wife, you know, was introduced into turkey hunting, how I was introduced into turkey hunting, um, how you know, aside from just the turkey hunting portion of it, this turkey camp that we go to is just, it's awesome. It's just a time for my mom to spend time with my grandkids, me to spend time with my wife and my stepdad turkey hunting. My uh, stepbrothers are going to be there. My uncle is going to be there. And uh, it's going to be a really fun weekend just from the the family side of things because we eat a lot of food we play a lot of cards we bs uh we're the we're the type of family that pokes fun at each other so uh, there's going to be a lot of that going around and we're going to document it all we're going to put it into a short film and it's going to be about our annual uh, turkey camp and uh, i'm really excited because when i was a kid every sunday night my dad and my brother and i would sit around the living room in this really small duplex that my dad owned at the time. And every Sunday night meant National Geographics. And it was right then and there with that tradition of watching National Geographics that always had me interested not only in nature, but in documenting nature and um, watching all the the uh, the blue planets or the planet Earth uh, documentaries as well. I'm telling you, that oh, that's always been an interest of mine. It's always been a passion of mine. And now, finally, it's coming to fruition. I got my man, uh, Curtis Zabel, out of uh, Zabel or Zabel. Man, I always forget what his last name is, but he's been a buddy of mine for a while. And uh, he's going to be coming down, and he's going to be uh, filming this for us. He's going to be editing it for us. He's going to be putting it together for us. And uh, we're going to be working together to try to knock this out. So long story short, Stay tuned because there's going to be a kick-ass uh, short film coming very soon out of the Sportsman's Nation. And uh, just keep an eye out on social media uh, because that's where we will let you know when it's coming. There's going to be a trailer. There's going to be teasers. There, all, all that stuff coming through. And uh, we will uh, we'll let you know when that happens. But I'm excited. Now, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, right? When it comes to mobile hunting... Lone Wolf is it for me, man. The Lone Wolf portable tree stands is, you know, 
I don't, I always try to think, what would I do if I wasn't a mobile hunter? Where would I hunt? How would I hunt? And I just can't fathom it anymore because being able to be mobile and go wherever the deer are at is how I hunt now, right? There's no point of hunting in a place where, you know, you wish the deer were at. You have to go to where the deer are at. And Lone Wolf does that for me. I'm a huge fan of the assault with four sticks, and that's how I hunt. I use those uh, that setup, climb up and down. Uh, once you get good at it, uh, it's really easy. It's ba- you can balance in that tree stand really well. Um, you can adjust for crooked trees. Uh, and uh, man, you've heard me talk about all this before. So what you need to do is go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com and uh, take a look at all of their gear that they have. There's a ton of you know. There's a ton of gear other than uh, the hang-on stands and climbing sticks that they have because I think they got uh, climbers as well, and uh, they have some uh, additional accessories that you can take a look at. But lonewolfhuntingproducts.com, if you do decide to purchase and enter the discount code 9FC50, you will save $50 off of all orders over 200 dollars And that's a, that's a big savings, so uh, take advantage of that. Now, I've talked way too much today, so let's get into today's podcast with Dominic Sheets. All right, on the podcast with me right now, Mr. Dominic Sheets. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? I can't complain, man. Um, your name's kind of badass. It sounds like <laughs> you're like, I don't know, in the Russian mob or something. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, that's the first time I've ever heard that one. Russian mob, huh? Yeah. Yep. Russian mob. Uh, anyway, that's what, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> we have a very limited I'll time. We have a very limited time today. So, uh, I had to do all these dumbass like software updates to my computer that I just keep clicking this button. Usually that says, do it later, do it later, do it later. Um, and I procrastinated too long. So I had to go back and actually purchase a new version. So, uh, oh, no. that took, that took me 30 minutes and, uh, now we are in the speed round. We're going for a speed That's podcast. Right. Um, so Dominique real quick, where do you live and what do you do for a living? I live in Northern Virginia. Um, and I work for a construction company as a bid specialist. Uh, the, the company is based out of Maryland. Okay. And, uh, I've been doing that for, well, I've been with that company for about 11 or 12 years now, but uh started as a laborer and worked my way up in the company and now work in the office. Nice, nice. All right, so what is the deer population like? What's what's deer hunting like in northern Virginia? It is through the roof. And what do you there mean, what do you mean so through the deer. roof? <clears throat> um, so it's, what's the average population per square mile supposed to be like 20 or something like that and i think it's a, a few hundred oh wow so is that is so that there's because no you, shortage of deer is that because you live in a residential like us like the suburb type residential and like a higher population and they just don't get hunted or is it more country setting yeah yeah no no it's more residential right here where i live uh, but you don't need to go far to get out into a country-type setting. But the the herds 
definitely get out there into the country setting as well. The larger numbers. Uh, I don't know what it is exactly. I guess there's just not as many hunters, or there are more little pockets from the height. I don't know exactly. That's nuts. So with that, you know, with there being a large number of deer in the area, are there also like a large number of bigger bucks? Uh, there are. There are definitely quite a few big bucks, um, but it's it's hard to find them. But they're out there. Got ya, got ya. All right, so. Let me ask you this question. This is a question that I don't ask a lot of people, and that is, why do you hunt? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I've thought about it before, and I've never really come up with a definitive answer. And I don't know if, uh, if it's just in my blood. Um, I didn't grow up hunting. I... I've only been hunting now for seven years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my dad is from Colorado, and he hunted. He and his brothers hunted out there, but when he moved here, he didn't. Uh, he didn't keep hunting. I guess he didn't know all the rules and regulations and whatnot, and there was no internet back then, and so he didn't pursue it, and so he just kind of dropped it. And for whatever reason, I just had this uh, desire to to hunt and so just kind of taught myself as much as I could from research and podcasts helped for sure and yeah. just started uh started doing it yeah so what about the the factor that brought you in to hunting like I guess the first question is how old are you right now I am 30 gonna be 31 in a couple of days okay so 30 so you didn't start hunting until you were in your early 20s Right. Okay. So, you know, all of a sudden, a flip or a switch was flipped, and you said, I want to try hunting. What was that flip of the switch? Uh, well, I, uh, in college, obviously, I was partying and doing whatever, chasing girls. It didn't really, didn't really take anything too seriously. Yeah. And I guess I was kind of coming out of that phase and looking for something more wholesome and hunting was something that I had always been interested in. I just never had the opportunity and didn't know anyone who hunted. And so for whatever reason, one day I just decided, Hey, I'm going to start doing some research and see, see what this is all about and see if I can, if it's something I can do. Okay. And, uh, what was the, the introduction like, like as a kid, when you're introduced to hunting, you can't really, I mean, it, it's harder. I, th- I think the learning curve would be harder, but as an adult, you're able to pick up on things quicker. You're able to understand things quicker. Um, what was that introduction like for you as a, someone in their young twenties? Uh, it was, uh, definitely a lesson in patience. That's for sure. Uh, I made so many mistakes that it just, it drove me crazy. Yeah. Um, I started off uh, hunting. Uh, my cousin had about 15 acres, so I started off rifle hunting there, and I would just sit there 
all day, every weekend, and never like saw anything. And I would just start to ask myself, "What are you even doing out here?" Yeah. But uh, so I wasn't. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was just kind of there was an old tree stand up in the woods, and my cousin said you can just walk out there and sit in there. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it was definitely. Definitely a learning experience. Didn't pay attention to wind or access routes or or anything. But um, you know, you with the internet, it's so much easier now to uh, to do more research and find out solutions to problems and figure out what you're doing wrong. So that that helped me tremendously. Yeah, being able to to do that. Right. So you know, all those years ago, uh, you know, you mentioned you did, you failed a lot. Now, did you learn from that failure? I mean, were you able to um, absorb the information like, oh, man, these deer are running away from me when the wind's blowing that way. Oh, maybe I should move. I mean, at that point, did you understand the power of a deer's nose or the sight or their hearing or or what to look for? Or um, What was your knowledge of, I guess, whitetail hunting before you actually started whitetail hunting? Um, so I, I don't think that I had a, a full understanding of just how keen their sense of smell is. I, I read that it was good, but I didn't really, I didn't pay attention to the wind and that, that's something that I, I messed up on tons of times before I started paying attention to it at all. And really, honestly, it wasn't until towards the end of last season that I actually started paying super close attention as far as wind direction. Um, around here, the the predominant wind direction is typically going to be a northwest wind, but the topography and everything, wherever you're hunting, you have no idea if that, if that wind's going to be true. And so last year, toward the end of the year, I started making note that every every stand location what the wind was actually doing on what winds and it it just opened up so many more opportunities for me right right so did you make uh, a couple stand adjustments oh yeah yes i think last year was the start to my uh picking up your running gun uh philosophy when it comes to anything yeah and that made a huge difference, and then this year was, I took it to the next level and got a much lighter stand and sticks to begin with, and then got a uh, low wolf climber, and between the two of them, I, I didn't hunt, I hardly hunted a single preset stand the whole season, and it was by far my best season I've ever had. That's awesome, man. Now, you know, from the initial season where it, you were you started struggling to to now how long did it take you to find success whether that was either with a rifle or with a bow well i i did shoot a doe the first year i hunted um i can't tell you how many hours i spent on that that old uh there was a metal platform and i just sat there and sat there and finally i guess it was the odds were in my favor that eventually something was going to come by um, I shot a doe, and then the next year I was able to shoot two does, but it wasn't until the year after that that I got my first buck, 
and that was because I uh, I started bow hunting. And I think when I started bow hunting is when I really started paying closer attention to the the details of it. Um, just by nature of what you're doing, you have to get so much closer. And so initially, it was a little frustrating trying to figure that out, but but I realized the more I actually paid attention to the details as far as covering scent or eliminating scent or keeping clothes away from any kind of scent, then uh, I started noticing the more I did, the more opportunities I had, the closer I got. Right. And So were you still hunting that 15-acre piece when you switched from a rifle to a bow? I was not. I only was able to hunt that the first season, um, and then they moved. So they sold the property, and they moved a few hours away. So it wasn't as uh, as reasonable for me to go down anymore. Um, that second year, I, I just hunted public land. And I tell you, public land around here is absolutely insane. There's, uh, there's very little public land in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so everyone who hunts flocks to those pieces of public. And it is absolutely insane, especially when it comes to rifle season. So that was, that was one reason that prompted me to want to get a bow. And then the other reason was that I knew some people close by who had a 20 acre piece of land and if I were to hunt with a bow, they'd be all right with that. So ended up buying a bow and got out there. And my first year of bow hunting, I was able to to put down a nice 120-ish inch eight-pointer. Yeah. And just started getting better and better from there. What was that? What was that first season as a bow hunter for you like? Um. It was, well, for one, I, was, I wasn't hunting public land anymore, and so that made a big difference. Even though I was only hunting a small piece of land, it, it made a big difference as far as running into other people. That was, that was the most frustrating thing. I was going to just hang it all up and just say hunting's not for me when I was out there trying to hunt public land. And this was, I guess, kind of a, a last-ditch effort. And it it changed everything for me. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. All right. So walk us, give us the abbreviated version, right? We got about 10 minutes left uh, until I have to uh, go back to being a, a husband and a dad. Yeah. So give me the uh, an abbreviated version of your very first ever uh, buck kill. Oh, man. That was... That, that was, was with a bow, right? Day. Yep. Okay. That was right. with a bow. That was an absolutely epic day for me. That was, I had always heard about the um, the excitement of the rut and bucks chasing does and deer running all over the place, but I'd yet to experience it. Um, I'd never even been in the woods during that time of year because I was rifle hunting, so the rifle season comes in after after the rut, right. or the peak of the rut. Right. So <clears throat> I was in the tree stand. It was November 9th, 
and I was in the stand about an hour before first light, um, just because it's a small piece of land. I wanted to make sure it had plenty of time to settle down after I locked in. And as it started to get light, I could already hear deer moving. Um, there's a thick area that was just down to my right, and it was too dark for me to see anything in it, but I heard deer running around in there, and there I'm guessing there were probably three or four deer in there running around. And <clears throat> I heard one of them run across the trail that I was sitting on, and then cross over the creek, and I still couldn't see anything. But I stood up, grabbed my bow, and it was getting lighter and lighter, and finally I saw a doe come out at about 35 yards. And there was a <clears throat> bigger buck. Well, at the time, it, it looked like a bigger buck. It was probably really only uh, just barely over 100 inches. But uh, he came trotting out after nose to the ground and then these two smaller bucks came running out behind him there were all three of them dogging the stove and they ran her off and I never had a chance to, the, to get a shot off at the bigger one <laughs> so then about 45 minutes later from the opposite direction I heard more deer running got up got my bow ready and here comes the stove running over the hill, and she just had uh, an absolute monster of a 10-pointer chasing her. And <clears throat> if, looking back, I, would, I didn't have any idea of antler scoring or what, would, what it would be, but if I were to look back and guess, I would say he was probably low to mid-140s, um, which would have been a huge deer for me to, to take as my first deer. But he never did quite come in range. Um, then there were a couple of smaller bucks that came trotting through after he chased her over the hill. And so I uh, I had the, you know, the packed rattle uh, thing. It's like a little uh, plastic thing. You kind of snack them together. They, they fold up together or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I had, I I had one of those. About. And so when they all disappeared, I got that out and I rattled a little bit and sat down. And <clears throat> suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I caught a flash of movement. And I looked and I could see uh, a nice eight-pointer sitting there. Sorry. Standing outside for reception and the motorcycle flipped by. Um, so I stood up and I could see him nice eight-pointer standing over there and so I grabbed my grunt call and just let out a real soft low grunt and he was looking he couldn't see, see anything but he was definitely curious and I'm pretty sure that he came into the rattle and so he crossed over the creek and he started making his way to me and he was about 40 yards when he stopped and I could see that something wasn't right. And so he started to turn. And so I figured it was now or never. And I took the shot and made just an absolutely perfect shot. And he took off running and he was piled up about 70 yards away. 
man. And it was just the the biggest uh, weight off my chest when I finally was able to put a buck down because I felt like I had been just trying so hard to do it. Finally, it just all came together, and it was one of the most exciting days I'd ever spent once, even if I had a shot one. Man, so. that is awesome. I, I love those kind of days where it's just oh my God, you, yeah. you run into it you run into a day and it's just on you know like boom. yeah i know and that was that was my first experience with that kind of thing and i was i was hooked i was just like this is this is who i am this is what i want to do and whatever else there is going on it doesn't matter as long as i can get out here and do this every year i'll be more than content right absolutely so what was the um what was the oh, the takeaway from that? I mean, from that day, did, did you do something right? Was it just luck? What was it? Uh, well, it it showed me that that these deer don't act act the way that they usually do. Come the rut, they're all bets are gone. It's you never know what to expect because I mean, I had. I had had encounters with deer, but never been within range. And the deer were basically it seemed like they were just acting stupid. And I, uh, I don't know. It was, it was definitely a lot of luck. Um, I saw that rattling can't work. Yeah. Um, I had rattled before that too, and hadn't had much success. I had brought in a little buck or two here and there, but never anything big. Right. So it kind of showed me that it can work, but still not to, it's not a miracle worker. Um, and then the other thing was that I was hunting down in a creek bottom and it was a relatively still day and I think the wind was swirling. So when he was coming in, I think he must have caught a whiff of me and decided that something wasn't quite right even though he was looking for a buck or a doe. He had caught enough of my scent to know that just that he should probably get out of there. Because I think that he was turning to leave. Um, and I was just fortunate enough to to make a good shot of him and drop him pretty quickly. So that's awesome, man. That's uh, that's an awesome story. And uh, you know, I'm definitely going to have you on again. Uh, when there's more time and we'll have a right. full blown, we'll have a full blown, uh, podcast, but Hey man, I really appreciate you taking your time today to, uh, hop on and, uh, and, and, uh, chat with me. Absolutely. It was my pleasure, Dan. I really appreciate it. and appreciate, uh, all the stuff that you do for us and all the awareness you spread and getting word about different important things that we need to be aware of. I appreciate all that and all, everything you do. Thank you very much, Mr. Dominique Sheets, for hopping on the podcast and chatting with us today, man. Really appreciate it. Huge shout out to absolutely everyone who follows us on the Sportsman's Nation and Nine Finger Chronicles Social, who downloads and listens to the podcast, who is subscribed to the YouTube channel. Um, please go leave a review, make comments, be part of this community wherever we post content uh, because we love getting feedback. And not only do we love getting feedback about what we're doing, we love to hear about what you're doing because 
a lot of people put out content, I feel, and they don't really care about their their followers. They just want followers. The Sportsman's Nation, we put out content, and we want to hear about what you are doing, what's working for you, because let's be honest, the majority of the content coming out of the Sportsman's Nation is with average Joes just like you right just like the listener so thank you very much for everything that you do thank you for your support uh, go to itunes leave a review if you're not subscribed already please subscribe to not only the the big game and the whitetail feeds but all of the individual podcasts that you like as well uh, because not only do we have the network feeds but we also have the individual feeds as well and um uh yeah we can uh we can uh, get you hooked there as well. Other than that, social, Facebook, Instagram, go follow the Sportsman's Nation, go follow the Nine Finger Chronicles, and all of the other uh, stuff, all the other uh, guys and gals who provide content to the network. Uh, a lot of great content, guys. And uh, lastly, this is all I'm going to say, right? I shouldn't say lastly because I have a couple more things, but look forward to a prime bow giveaway i hope you guys are still listening because i'm going to be sprinkling this information out and uh we're going to be doing a really big giveaway uh coming up here really soon and i am i'm pretty jacked about it hey if if the winner is going to get a lot of cool shit so uh huge shout out to hunter safety systems lone wolf wasp ripcord ozonics and prime thank you guys very much for this your continued support please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast and if you're gonna be in a tree please for the love of god and our friends from hunter safety systems remind us all to wear your damn safety harness have a good week